0: Look, I'm cold. I think you nicked an artery. What? That's why it's bleeding so fast. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, Misty, you're not gonna like this. What do you mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hold
0: that. We <laughs> should just go up the back. They've already secured it. How do you know? That's so what I would do. The only way we can win at this point is if he can control who comes in and who leaves. Either way, I gotta get you some place safe. <laughs> what the hell? Lucky Luciano used to own this building. It still has a lot of prohibition nooks and crannies.
1: The pixels, Luke Cage, Season One, Episode Eleven and Twelve. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the show. I'm Mark, and I'm Steve. So, Steve, uh, where are we and where are we going?
0: <laughs> so, episode 11 is called Now You're Mine. And it, one of the things I really like about this Luke Cage show is a lot of the episodes have literally started Right when the previous episode ended, which that may be a very Netflix streaming kind of thing to do since they know people are going to watch are going to binge watch these shows. So it's kind of cool that we literally have this this uh, episode starting right where the other one left off, which is Misty and Luke are hiding behind the bar um, as the bad guys are shooting at them. We notice we find out that Claire has gotten into Harlem's paradise as well. And then Luke and Misty barricade themselves in the kitchen and then they make their way to the basement uh, through a hatch that only Luke knows about and only a few others know about. We see Shades and Stryker argue about how to proceed with this kind of, you know, people have been using this term bottle episodes for things that are not really correct. And this is not really a bottle episode but this is an episode that's kind of contained in one kind of building at least it's several different it's several different sets so it's not technically a bottle episode but it's it's it all basically takes place in Harlem's Paradise and so we have Luke and Misty hiding out kind of in the basement And uh, Shades and Stryker, they're arguing about how to proceed. Uh, Diamondback decides that he wants to try and convince the police that Luke is the one who's holding the hostages. And so he's going to call himself Luke Cage whenever he talks to the police or whenever he has other people talk to the police. Um, Misty and Claire finally meet and kind of meet as friends. It seems that uh, being shot in the arm will earn Claire's forgiveness uh, from uh, we'll earn Misty's for Claire's forgiveness for Misty, trying to choke her out. Luke confronts Stryker at the very end. Uh, Luke is captured by the police. We see more of this complicated plot of trying to arm the police with these superpowered weapons that are purchased from Diamondback. And that I have st- I still think is, is, is way too convoluted of a plot thing to try to keep track of. At the end, though, Luke is captured by the police. And uh, even though Misty tries to convince them that he's innocent, uh, Luke tells Claire to go and tells her to hide out. And I noticed in both of these episodes, they use this term that I've never really heard before. And maybe it's just because I, I don't know this in the cut. He, it, like, I thought they were talking about an actual place. But... They've used it a couple times. Do you do you understand? Do you know where this comes from? This – because he tells her in Harlem's Paradise, he tells Claire to hide out in the cut. And then uh, in the next episode, he's going to say the same thing to her. He says, I'm in the cut. Hmm. And yeah. I, I've, I've I never –
1: with that term.
0: Okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one because it just seems like a weird – Like, I I mean, I know I kind of I understand the context because a lot of times when you're talking about the wilderness, they talk about a cut and you can kind of hide in a place like from a storm or something. You can get I've heard people refer to that as being in the cut when you're kind of like trying to hide out from a storm or something. But it it just it just seems a weird that in all this we would get this this term this in the cut. And like I said, I thought at first that it was like referring to Pops. Because it's the barbershop shop where people get their haircut, but that's not that's not what it was. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, have you got anything to add there for that synopsis? No, you kind of covered it. Okay, mm-hmm. do you want to jump into our top five? I guess.
1: Oh yes, top five. Sweet Christmas.
0: Let me start because really, my my top my number five is the at the beginning, and I, I think I actually ended up putting this in there twice in my notes as well. Luke says that that he doesn't want to make a break for the door because it's going to get Misty shot. And then he <laughs> makes a break for the kitchen instead getting her shot, which it just did that whole sequence of events. Cause she says we're 10 feet from the door. Why don't you just make a break for it? And he says, no, I can't cover you completely. So I'm not going to make a break for the door. But then we hear the bad guys say, He's bulletproof. How are we going to kill him? And uh, it's either striker or one of the other guys says, well, you shoot her. You don't shoot him. Mm. And so I I guess that kind of is, is what Luke takes as, oh, I got to make a break for somewhere. And he knows about this hatch to get into the basement. So, you know, maybe he's kind of doing the same thing that Diamondback is doing. He's doesn't really have a plan. He's just kind of going with the flow. You know, and so he picks up Misty and he and he carries her through the hail of bullets into the kitchen and then barricade themselves. And it just seemed a, a weird like, if you're going to run for the kitchen, why not just run for the door? It just like if you're going to run for something, why why run to where you're going to be cornered? But of course, if, if he had ran for the door, then we wouldn't have this entire episode. So
1: yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was your number five?
1: <laughs> uh, my number five would be at the beginning. Uh... Uh, it's pretty much the the shootout mm-hmm. and Misty getting clipped in the arm. But this leads me to think of the comic books because uh... – I I could talk about it later. I could talk about it now, but
0: go ahead. I've, I've seen a little bit uh, about it, about the second season. So I know kind of what you're indicating, but uh, go ahead and bring it up. These, both these seasons have been out uh, entirely. uh, So I don't think we're going to be, you won't be spoiling anything for me because like I said, I've already uh, kind of read ahead in some of the news and stuff. And, and just because season two is already out, it's hard to avoid when you see anything about Luke Cage, uh, to catch it, you know.
1: Yeah, well, for those who are non comic book people, uh, you could skip ahead, or those comic book people could continue listening. Uh, uh, give it about 30 seconds, 45 seconds. But uh, li- literally, what happens to Misty in the comic books is she loses her arm due to a shootout, <laughs> and uh, Tony Stark winds up giving her a bionic arm. And it's very strong, and she's able to be almost superhuman herself in some ways with that one arm. And uh, I I was thinking the first thing was like, oh, she's going to lose her arm. They're going to give her the bionic arm. (laughs) But, uh, you know, obviously uh, towards the end of the episode, we don't see that. So uh, we just see her, and she heals up, and everything is hunky-dory, and I was disappointed. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm still a little puzzled by that. And and I actually have that in the next episode when we'll get there. But um, so my number four is the Claire and Candace dynamic. So we we see – Candace kind of has twisted her ankle or twisted her knee or something there, and Claire kind of goes to help her and kind of lies about their relationship, says that, that Candace, oh, she's got a broken leg, and, and the, the guys are kind of looking at her suspiciously, but she's still working on Candace, and Candace tells her a lot of information Like in that brief few seconds after, even though Stryker told the guys, don't let them look at me. Don't let them talk to each other. They're having this whole like deep conversation where Candace is telling her a lot of important details about what happened in the club and and Luke. And then we have Claire again, tell her to pass out to fake passing out and then she makes up another line. She says, Oh, she's diabetic, and I've got to go get her medicine. And <laughs> it just it, it's just one of those things where I, I love this show a lot. I really do. It's just some sequences of events. I kind of have to, I guess, suspend my disbelief a little bit. Um, you know, but then she leaves Candace there and She goes to find Luke. She's lucky she didn't get Candace killed or herself killed. That's the thing because the next time, really, the next time we see Candace, she's kind of awake and alert, and the thugs are talking about her, going, Oh, you know, she was that's that's the one, you know, when Stryker says the one that stabbed me in the clinic and they realize that it's Claire and and they go who is she talking to and he goes she was, he was talking she was talking to the West Indian chick who or the West Indian looking chick yeah <laughs> the guy says and um then they realize that that's Candace the VIP hostess so you know at no point does the guy go wait a minute so you faked all that like it, there's just i understand there's i i just i hate to pick on any show for sloppy writing but for me that's just sloppy writing that's just saying well we that's just saying we have to get it's it's kind of the whole thing with with luke and misty running into the kitchen you know because basically i can understand how this went may have gone in the writers room we have to get luke and misty into the basement mm-hmm. so how do we get them into the basement oh i know we run them you know we have him run to the kitchen instead of the door Yep. even though it would make more sense for him to run to the door. So it's the same thing here with, with Claire. Well, We need to get Claire to find Luke. Yep. So how do we Definitely. do that? Well, here's what we're going to write. We're going to write this sequence of events that seems a little preposterous, but we're going to go ahead and write it because we're going to have Claire, who I understand she's capable and we've seen her fight and we know she's pretty tough but still she gets the better of shades at the end of this episode <laughs> i mean come on the guy who who three who you know ends up killing three dudes in the next episode and the guy who when he was at seagate got into a fight with two or three guys it, one girl is going to take him out it just there're just some things that i think they could have written it better. And these writers are better, I think than this. And and I didn't look up who wrote this episode to see if maybe they wrote something similar, but uh, that was my number four, (laughs) just the whole Claire and Candace dynamic. Uh, What about you? Uh, My number four,
1: uh, that would be the intensity of the soundtrack during the scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you listen to and look at the scenes in each scene break, it was really cool for the fact that uh, when he, Concentrate on Cottonmouth, it's very thumping and very intense. And then when Mm -hmm. they switch to Luke trying to help Misty, it's very calm, a little soft. And it goes back and forth uh, throughout each scene. And it seemed to be constant rhythm throughout the whole episode. So whoever it was was very music conscious uh, of what's going on within the story and how the people are reacting and where they're feeling. So I really love that, uh, you know. I, I, like I said, you know, it's like Diamondback looking for Misty and then <clears throat> Luke throughout the club and caring for Misty, and you feel that soft guitar tone, and then it's like a thumping and rhythmic thing with Cottonmouth.
0: Yeah, and uh, now, now that I you mouth
1: Diamondback, sorry,
0: Diamond, and now that you say that, I really I, I didn't notice it, but now that you're you're saying that, even that whole part where Luke is walking through the club to find Diamondback, and Diamondback is talking over the loudspeaker, there's a subtle, there is a subtle soundtrack going on there that that kind of lines up, and they edited that that really well, so that's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, my number three is uh, this ADA guy. I don't think we've seen him before. Um, who comes to the, the SWAT van and he's talking about the fact that Mariah is in these closed door meetings with the mayor about these weapons. He says very clearly that he doesn't trust Mariah. Uh, he mentions Frank Castle, which I thought was really cool that uh, bringing up these other shows. Uh, he doesn't want those weapons to get out. And I thought this was kind of an interesting point that he made where he said if the police start using them, then next the criminals are going to get them. It was kind of like a progression that he's saying. And and with some of the things that happen in our country with weapons, that's really kind of where some things have happened. How the, – the reason – I don't want to get political with this, so it's, I'm going to say this in the very basic terms of what it is. Uh, the reason we have – we're allowed to have some of the weapons we have is because – The army uses them because the military uses similar weapons and the spirit of the Constitution was that this country was going to be able to defend itself against its own government. Because if you go back 200 years to the birth of this country, that's what it was. It was United Kingdom British citizens standing up to their government and saying, no, we are taking our country yeah so uh and and that's what if you look at supreme Court um rulings over some of these weapons for for instance the the fact that we have um pistol grip shotguns that are allowed to be purchased by civilians. The reason we have that is because they used to be outlawed hundred years ago 90, 90 hundred years ago, they were outlawed, and when the army started using them in World War one or World War two. They should ch- the, the law was challenged saying that if the army is able to use it, there should be a civilian version of this weapon that is available. And when it got to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court said, yes, there should be civilians should be allowed to have a pistol grip shotgun. So that's that's why we have pistol grip shotguns. So. Yeah, cool. Which is interesting. But anyway, I just I just really liked the, the, the biggest part of that whole thing was the idea that this ADA brings up Frank Castle.
1: Yeah, uh, I like that, too. Um, my number three would be uh, Inspector Ridley's involvement with the investigation about Luke and all that's going on uh, it's a lot of eyes on Luke especially with the ADA like you, you mentioned before plus mm-hmm. the mention of Frank Castle so yeah. it's very similar to what you had uh, it was very odd that they bring up Frank Castle
0: yeah I, I thought that's interesting it's one of those things that I think we forget and I know I do I forget that even that we have even though we have five different boroughs it's still all New York City right is yes. that like like so when he says I'm talking about the mayor he's talking about the mayor of New York City he's not he's not talking about like these individual boroughs have a mayor so this is bigger potentially than just Harlem this is this is bigger than Hell's Kitchen this is going to involve the entire New york, new
1: york city it's uh, the whole city in itself kind of similar yeah. to uh the way <clears throat> the the event happened mm-hmm. in avengers where it affected everything within new york city almost similar mm-hmm. to 9-11 because that spread out not to just new york city but it spread out to new jersey connecticut mm-hmm. any of the surrounding states so uh it's just showing that Everything that is affected within New York City affects other things as well, not just its own surrounding states but around the world too because I'm pretty sure eventually we're going to start seeing in these shows from Netflix regarding these specific defenders that you're going to see that a lot of people are realizing who they are around the world. Yeah. So I hope that comes soon.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Netflix deals with it and how we get copyrights. Like like we were talking about before, the last episode I think or the episodes two episodes ago was the first time we heard Captain America. Yeah, mentioned. You know, so um, we're starting to hear these names and starting to hear some of these things. So we may start to get to see these these characters interact. Well, obviously not until they clear up Infinity War, but once Infinity War is cleared up, then we may start to see some of these characters interact with our Netflix, uh, the net, what are we calling it? NMU, the Netflix Marvel universe, um, <laughs> <laughs> brings us to my number two, which is, is, uh, kind of, kind of a strange number two, but it, it occurred to me while I was doing my rewatch is why is Striker, why is he telling Damon all this stuff before he, he's going to kill him? he, and he's broadcasting it through the whole building, so anybody who's in the building can hear everything he's saying. And he's talking all about how Luke's dad was the preacher, how he he and Luke have the same father, how Luke's Luke was the the uh, the favorite son, you know. And when they stole the Corvette, the the little red Corvette, just like the Prince the Prince song. But I was into Prince, and he was into Michael Jackson, and just he's talking he's giving us a lot of information it's just another one of those things that it bugs me sometimes when and i i'm glad we got all this information because it helps us understand what his motivation is for his hate for luke and it also explains or it doesn't explain that luke doesn't Remember these things, and and I think he does remember some of it because at the end of the episode he says, "I'm sorry about what happened to Dana, and then uh, you know Stryker makes that nasty comment about Luke's mother. so it's yeah. it's just a weird sense that it's it's the it's the same thing that we see in um, you know a lot of typical superhero or or even James Bond. Kind of things where the the villain is is has has got to uh, monologue about everything he's doing and everything that's going on and why he's doing all the stuff that he's doing. And, you know, and he's just he's just saying all this stuff and then he puts on that glove and he kills Damon. And he tells Shades to, to escort him to the door. And that kind of sets Luke off there in, in, as he's stalking and trying to find Stryker. But I just thought that was interesting. That Why why is he saying all this stuff and why is he broadcasting it through the whole building?
1: Well, it's funny too because it's almost a similarity to like Thor and Loki in mm-hmm. some way. You know, Loki was always evil and mischievous and doing the wrong thing against Thor. And now you have Luke has a, a bad brother. So I I see it in that context, but obviously this is even worse for the fact that this is going out blatantly killing people. Now, mind you, Loki did the same thing in certain ways, but we don't see them as people. We see them as like, oh, uh, the ice people or – or right. Yeah, it's like they're not real to us because they're not human. But in this context, they're actually real to us. Yeah, Uh, interesting. So so I I, I see it in that same shape or form, but whether or not – Striker could actually be uh, turned is another story because yeah. we've seen Loki actually turn himself around in a, an Avengers Infinity War and try to redeem mm-hmm. himself, saying he's yeah. Odin's son. But uh, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that
0: brings us to your number two.
1: Uh, my number two would be... Uh, Luke punching through the wall knowing that it was Claire behind the wall <laughs> in the basement. Uh, but Claire found out about the basement due to Candace's help. So I think that's why Candace gave her that. That was that whole long draw conversation and that whole uh, scene where she was getting that information. She had to get the information of uh, Luke knew about the uh, the club's history. And it's uh, where it came from and knew about the basement, and then Candace knew, and they were the very only the people that worked in there knew about mm-hmm. it and then uh then she trusted you know Candace trusted Claire into saying, "Oh, act like you're really sick or whatever, so I could go get yeah. drugs and get away." but you know i I thought that was you know pretty cool, but the fact that you know Luke was caring about everything. You know, Candace knew about the history and that really f- came together in the writing, even though the writing mm-hmm. was a bit loose.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting you say that because it, it it's another one of those things that don't, they don't really clear up is how does he know that that's Claire on the other side of the wall? He has He has no way of knowing unless the only thing I can fathom, and this is a super duper big stretch on my part, <laughs> Luke was a Marine. So it's possible Luke knew Morse code. It's possible that part of Claire's repertoire is Morse code. And so maybe as she was banging on the wall, maybe she was banging something in Morse code. Doubtful. That he, I don't, <laughs> that, that's, that's the only thing that makes sense because otherwise, why wouldn't he break th- – he it just – that's just one of those things that, that I go – and I thought about it as I was watching it the second time, especially she's banging on the wall and I'm like, Oh no, if he breaks through the wall at the spot where she's banging on the wall, he could kill her, you know? (laughs) And then obviously he doesn't, he breaks out, he breaks through the wall, you know, a couple feet beyond where she's tapping on the wall. And then they immediately see each other. She immediately sees Misty and, and, so it, it just is another one of those things that I just go the writers said, oh we have to get Luke and uh, Claire back together. how do we do that? Oh we do that with him breaking through the wall because she's banging on it you know because she knows that this basement room is right next door to the employee locker room so I it just this whole episode was just to me just seems like it could have been written better and i i don't think i mean except for us finding out that there are more people who believe luke is innocent which we find that out in the next in the next episode as well there there really wasn't much that moved the story along in this in this episode except for misty getting shot in the arm if as you said earlier that leads to something in the future, I, I don't know, but I digress again. That brings me to my number one, <laughs> which is that Luke is the one who frees the hostages. Uh, he saves Candace, which allows uh, co- uh, Diamondback to escape, and then he allows himself to be captured by the cops. And it's the whole thing comes down to if you go back to the beginning of the episode, it comes down to basically everything fell apart for Diamondback. Because at the beginning of the episode, he tells Shades, we have to kill Misty and Luke as long as they're dead we can make up any narrative we want to and at the end of this episode that doesn't happen so the the only narrative that that is going to be played out is going to be the one that the hostages say which we find out more in the next in the next episode but i just i, I like so my number one is the fact that if Luke was the one to frees the hostages they know he freed them he saves Candace but unfortunately that allows Dying back to escape, and then he allows himself to be captured yeah. by the cops. So.
1: Yeah, my number one was Luke saving the hostages but sacrificing himself as well in the process. Mm-hmm. So we're very similar mm-hmm. to that one.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, had a couple of quotes here that I thought was uh, was great at the beginning of the the episode. Shade says, "What you talking about, Willis?" Um, <laughs> calling back to the whole different strokes thing, and uh, which, which I thought was it was another one of those kind of quirky kind of things because st- at, at, when he first says it, Stryker says, "Oh, you got jokes now," and then a few minutes later he says, "Why are you telling people my real name?" You know, and uh, so it's kind of like. Was it a joke or was it – it, but it was kind of a play off his real name. And then uh, I didn't get the whole quote out, but Diamondback saying, I'm spitting off the dome, it's true. And he says, but all of, my, but none of my rhymes are bad or, or something like that. I can't – I didn't get the whole – Quote uh, that I thought was, was pretty cool. And uh, then finally, Claire saying, Trouble stalks me like a crazy ex boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> at the end. <laughs> uh,
1: the ones that I got out of were uh, the thug going, What you doing? He's bulletproof. <laughs> and then Diamondback <laughs> comes back to, She's not. Aim at her.
0: Exactly. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And then Misty going, Y'all sound married. And she was like, <laughs> Darn, day. it's like, she was half out of it, and was a, uh, and it was a response to how Claire and Luke were bickering, about, you know, about getting
0: out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So you've got some notes here. I've got some notes here. Why don't you go with your first note there?
1: Uh, the first note that I would have would be the dash cam video of Luke throwing one of the guys towards the police car. Now that was pretty cool to see from that perspective, honestly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, my my kind of first note really is just uh, he talks about his, his medical skills that he was Marine Force recon and earlier or just after that, um, Claire says something like, you do the medical shit, or I'll do the medical shit, you do the bulletproof shit, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> that was
1: pretty cool, though.
0: Yeah, it was, it was. And he, you know, he may have saved her life, even though Claire says, oh, this is too close to the wound, it needs to be further up, or it needs to be something else. And then she goes and gets the dental floss to, uh, to kind of stitch it up. But she t- still tells Misty that if this stays too long, she'll lose her arm. So be interested to see. It, it just, we'll get the next episode about that.
1: Yeah. Uh my next one would be uh finding out Luke uh that Luke was a uh, forgery con. Was that brought up before? I don't remember that from any previous stories in the past or or, or am I wrong? I don't really know.
0: Well, and that's the thing when when I saw that note, I don't remember and I would have to go back and rewatch that part of the episode where they're talking where is that where where he's talking to misty or is that where when diamondback is doing his monologuing and he talks about the fact that he framed luke and why he framed luke is that where that was
1: that that conversation came out in this episode when he was talking to misty
0: okay okay that he was in in jail for forgery i don't yeah i didn't i didn't hear that so uh but that is that is interesting because he was in a pretty it It just seems strange that forgery would be the the crime when where he was sent. Yeah, you know, and and especially being a police officer that he was sent. So that's that's interesting. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go back and and watch the. um, uh, I, I love the fact that Misty says to Luke that she should have trusted him. All along, and uh, that that just plays into the fact that, that she's trying to convince the cops that uh, that he's innocent. So, yeah. and we'll get more of that in the next episode as well.
1: All right, cool. Uh, the the song "Son of a Preachman" mm-hmm. uh, while uh, while Diamondback was giving his history to uh, Damon Boone, the councilman. Uh, very reflective in what the song sang about, uh, because he was going on and on about his relationship with Luke and everything that was going on, and it was a little bit intertwined within the song, but it was pretty interesting that they chose that song as he was giving and talking about him and Luke's uh relationship in their past,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, my last one is uh, is just at the very end there, where Claire sees shades Ray Bans and she smashes them with her with her foot. That's just mean, man. You don't smash somebody's Ray Bans. Come on, <laughs> Ray Bans. That's all I wear. That's all the only sunglasses I wear anymore are Ray Bans. So
1: <laughs> uh, we already talked about my last one, so uh, uh, that was about yeah. the bionic arm, and you know right. we already know that. So uh, if you guys heard that, really. Uh, <laughs> oh. <to> it. <laughs> uh,
0: it, it takes us right into episode 12 which is called soliloquy of chaos and uh, as i looked up this episode after i watched it the first time it is not the longest it is pretty long though this episode is over an hour the longest this episode i think clocked in at, at uh, uh one hour and like two minutes two or three minutes and the longest episode is like one hour six minutes is what I what I could find. So I, I thought that was interesting because it, it really is a pretty there's a lot packed into this Uh, what our fellow podcasters would call the penultimate episode, the second-to-last episode of the season. And it starts, again, as so many others do, right where the last one left off. Luke is being taken into custody, but he's not going to be there for long. He finds out that he has support uh, from a lot of places, which I thought was interesting. And I could be wrong, but I think the first person the cops... See with the bullet hole hoodie is the cop from the beginning that lets him go free
1: mm.
0: I think he 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 didn't take he left his hat- he left his his cap on the entire time that he was talking to Luke, so it might not have been, but when he takes that hoodie off, he's got that bald head and the way his eyes were kind of wide. I thought that looks like I think that's the same guy from the beginning of the episode, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, we see that the the Mexican gang, the Doming- uh, Domingo's gang, wants to take Diamondback out. Uh, the cops are looking for Luke. Luke is looking for Stryker. Shades proves that he's still tough and hard to kill, which I love that that scene because I, I like that character as much as he's a bad guy and stuff. I, I really like that character of Shades, so I was uh, I was a little scared for him. I'll admit when uh, when they started taking him up in the elevator, I thought, uh oh. We're gonna lose Shades. Uh, then we see <laughs> we see Mariah and Shades team up. Uh, they try to get Luke to join their team as well, and, and that uh, almost happened because Misty <laughs> shows up. Uh, and uh, then after Misty shows up, we get Diamondback, and he's wearing some kind of super suit. And all of this uh, uh, is bringing us to that that the final episode where we're going to finally get this confrontation between Diamondback and Luke. And we see Diamondback in this super suit, and bullets are bouncing off it. And he runs. You know that final scene is him running at Cage. Him and Cage running together, and they grapple. And then we go to Black. Uh, yeah. So There's a lot that happens in this episode, and I'm sure we're going to get into it in in our top fives. And I've got a lot of notes on this one. I (laughs) I have
1: some notes, but they're kind of interesting notes. They're a little bit different than yours, but I I, I like to be a little different.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Go ahead and start with your number five. Sweet Christmas.
1: Luke breaking out of the SWAT van and the cop talking to him. Luke trying to reason with him. And it works out. Someone on Luke's side, you know, it's it's somebody from the neighborhood. The neighborhood is looking out for him to do the right thing. It shows that even the cops are out there and they want him to do right because they are originally from the neighborhood and... The cops, you know, blatantly states that he used to come into Pop's shop for a haircut. Yeah, and yeah, well, I I he goes into great. the history about it, and I thought that was awesome.
0: Yeah, I thought that was awesome that the fact that he looks at Luke and he says, "You don't remember me," and and Luke looks at him and goes, "Uh, oh, you used to get your haircut at Pop's." And and then they had that whole exchange. So it was really really cool. Exactly. Uh, my my number five is is really short. It's just uh, that Shades' his real name is Hernan Hernan Alvarez, according uh, to his <laughs> mugshot easel. I have never heard of Hernan uh, as a first name. I'm sure it's probably a, a you know Puerto Rican or something something along that lines. But I thought that was really interesting when I first wrote the note. Down, in fact, I wrote Herman because I just read it very quickly. But then later on, a few minutes later, the inspector calls him Hernan, and everyone really uh, stresses that final syllable there, Hernan. So I thought, oh, okay. So I backed it up and looked at the easel again, and it is Hernan H E R N A N Alvarez. I thought it was a, a kind of a unique name.
1: Well, maybe Hernan didn't like the idea, and he wanted a Reservoirs dog, a Reservoir <laughs> Dogs kind of name. You know, uh, I, I want to be called Shades. Yeah. yeah, I want a I want a descriptive thing, but it's which was which Mr. Brown or <laughs> yeah, Mr. which Pink. was
0: which was cool too because even that scene between Diamondback and Zip where you know Zip's wearing uh, the the shades and and Diamondback tells him take those off you know because he doesn't want to be reminded of shades. So I love it. Love it. What's your number four?
1: Uh, my number four would be uh, Diamondback buying more ammo to go to war against Luke. His meeting with uh, all that money during the exchange in the warehouse with that guy. What is he buying? What? Where is he going? Obviously, at the end of the uh, the episode, we do see where that's going. And we saw all that money. Uh, is that stuff from Hammer Industries? Uh, is that the anti-Iron Man stuff that he wanted yeah. to buying and everything?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And that, that kind of confused me a little bit as well because, you know, you've got that quote about the, the, what's in the box. It's, it's seven deadly sin. It's wrath. And what was in the box Was the suit in the box and he put the bomb in the box after he took the suit out? Was he going to pay that money to Domingo, but then he got the suit and he didn't have to pay it? I I was I was confused because, you know, he comes at the end of the episode or towards the end of the episode and he's got that big bag of money that he throws at Mariah, you know. And and so I was a little confused by that. And and you might be right. He may have been buying that that technology. So that's that's kind of interesting. My number four is – and I'm still unclear about this. I, I hope maybe – I hope they kind of clear it up in the next episode maybe. But it, it, he says Luke realizing at the beginning that Misty wants him to exa- escape. At least I, I think that's what was meant there because you know she she comes at him. She has the other cops step away, and she says everything that we know she knows is false, Like, we know that she's pretty sure he didn't do all those things, but yet she's yelling at him about how he's going to go down. And at first I thought she was telling him, don't escape. Don't try to escape. Get back to the station and I'll take care of things from there. That was kind of what I thought at first. But then when he busts out of the van, I thought, "Okay, well, maybe he's doing the opposite of what she said, because that's what she wanted him to do. And uh, we kind of get that at the end of the episode when he says Misty's at the police station and she's trying to work on me being innocent. But it's just that I, I like that scene. I like that exchange. But at the same time, it's still a little quizzical as to whether he knew that's what she wanted him to do or whether she had another plan of maybe trying to get him out uh, somehow legally. I don't know. Oh. Uh, you're number three.
1: Uh, that would be Misty healed up very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and spoiler, give it 30 seconds, people who don't read comics. Uh, I guess we don't get the bionic arm away I, I spoke about earlier.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I actually had this, this was actually my number two, so I'll, I'll skip my number three for a second and jump to my... Uh, to my number two, um, because my that's that's the same thing that I had, is that Misty's arm healed up really quick. We see her in one scene. She's in a sling. Then after she meets with Candace, she's got no more sling. Then she sees shades get released. She doesn't have a sling. Later, she's looking at those pictures of Domingo getting beat up. She doesn't have a sling. And even to the point where when she's in Pop's barber shop. She draws her weapon and seems to be holding her weapon without any problems at all. I'm like, weren't? Didn't you just have like your artery nicked with a through and through bullet wound that was that was that was stitched up with dental floss? Come on. So maybe and and again, this is I'm just going to say that because we we've said it now three times. Uh, maybe maybe something did happen. And she does have that bionic arm, and we just don't know it yet.
1: It's a big you know. switch. Uh,
0: you know, maybe, maybe it happened very quickly. It, it seems like there wasn't enough time for her to go somewhere and have them replace her arm. Or maybe we're going to see something – You because know, this is a possibility that we'll see something down the road or in the next season to where they'll say, oh, you should have not been using it like you were and now it's now it has to be cut off or replaced you know maybe they they come back with something like you you shouldn't have been doing all this stuff with it you should have let it I don't I don't know but uh uh uh, so that was my number two which uh, will bring us to your number two and I'll say my number three after you say your number two
1: (laughs) all righty uh we changed things up here in this podcast (laughs) My number two would be Misty's view of Luke being changed, and now wants Luke to be safe. Uh, she wants him to escape yeah. uh, because of the custody and everything else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's like that's that's interesting. It goes back to to what I had for my number my number earlier that that just that thought that she now realizes that he's innocent, and that kind of is is the same thing as as where I swapped mine here because we have. Two or three times in the show, in this episode, we have conversations between people who believe Luke is innocent, but then they go, "Well, wait a minute, why is he running? If he's innocent, he shouldn't be running. And then you you'll have another character bring up, for instance, just like the in the police station when Misty tells Inspector Ridley, she says, half the cops in the station know that luke is innocent and ridley says well he may be innocent but why is he running and then misty says well because he's a black man who they think killed a cop so why wouldn't he run and so you have this whole back and forth and then we have the same thing on the radio show on sway's universe where they talk about the fact that where sway says something like that's not the way a cop killer would act. And then the woman says, well, but why is he running then? And Method Man, well, he's a bulletproof black man. <laughs> you know? And so it's that whole – this whole position kind of thing of where we have one character say, well – I think he's innocent but then why is he running? And another character goes, "Well, he's running because of this." And so suddenly his innocence is kind of put to the wayside because we still don't it's almost like they say we still don't know for sure if he's innocent, but we think he is, but we we know he's run. It's 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 a it's weird conversations, but uh, uh, I like it. Uh what's your number 1? I think our, yeah, what's your number 1?
1: Uh that would be Method Man in the scene with the robber in the, bo- in the bodega you know, I got to love it. Uh, then Luke yeah. coming in and saving the day. Then Meth giving Luke his hoodie <laughs> after Luke yeah. was all, his hoodie was all messed up. Uh, you know, Wu-Tang forever, man. <laughs> I especially love that Cliff did that rap at the end. Uh, I love Method when he, uh, he did a little uh, Bulletproof Love rap, uh, especially dropping the Iron Man line in the
0: rap. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, I had this and was actually in my, a, a big part of my notes because that was just such a really cool scene where, where he looks at uh, Method Man and he goes, you're about a you're about a double XL, and he goes, "I'm way ahead of you." And he's already got his off, and he's handing it to Luke, yep. and he's looking at the bullet holes, and you know that whole exchange of where method where the the robber says, "Oh, meth, I'm sorry, we're doing this," and Method Man's like, "Are we really having a conversation now? You're robbing us, you know?" <laughs> and, then, and then Method Man looks at Luke and goes, "Oh." You are the man, and Luke goes, "No, you're the man." <laughs> you know, and uh, so I had to look that up. I, I was not—I I just admit—I was not a big rap fan. Uh, it, I had a, a roommate who was who was big into some rap but wu-tang clan was not one of the ones that we that we listened to so i didn't know a lot of the background of that but i had a, but so it's, it's really interesting that he says plo style was my jam and uh uh so it's kind of an interesting back and forth i i liked it too i i agree that would have been one of my numbers but i went ahead and put it in my notes so my number one is is pretty short and sweet I uh, that conversation between shades and Mariah at the end where she, where he reveals that he was at the club to kill Cottonmouth. Yeah, Cottonmouth. And uh, that Mariah killed him first. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Him revealing that to her, you know, was uh, a very important moment for that character. I just had a couple of short quotes. That cop he, that he tells him that more people are rooting, rooting for him uh, than you think. And then I really love that other cop when he comes into the barbershop and he's looking at the chessboard and realizes that Bobby Fish is playing himself in chess. And Bobby says, chess is a game of anticipation. And he says, if you know every move that your opponent is going to make, you can anticipate what he's going to do. Saying that that that's the way he keeps, now I'm not a chess player, but I can see that. That's the way you keep sharp is you play yourself and you play, you run different scenarios. You go, well, if my opponent does this, I'm going to do this. And if, if I do this, then he'll do this. And so if you know every move, That the other, it still tells me that there's something, I just still think there's more, there's something more to Bobby Fish than, I hope not, but I I think there's something more to him than just who he is.
1: Yeah, my quote would be, uh, the cop, while they're in transit, and you corrected me on this, (laughs) my wife says it, it's the end of the days. The other cop goes, damn, people have been saying that since, and I thought it was E-50, you state what?
0: It was it – was, he says it's since Eve bit the apple, and he's referring to the story in Genesis from the Bible where you have God, when he created the earth, put Adam and Eve in this garden. He gave them one rule, don't eat from this particular tree, and that tree historically has been – has been described as the apple tree. Obviously we don't know that it's the apple tree, but that's what people uh, started to ascribe it to. I'm not sure why uh, apples got that, got that trademark, but yeah. uh, so that's what he's referring to is that, that moment that Eve, cause uh, in the Bible, Eve takes from the tree, she eats and then she gives to Adam and he eats. And so original sin, is kind of born from that, that action by both of them. And that's what started The end of days is uh, what they're referring to.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, it's odd that if you look at the whole course of the history of this series so far, there's been a lot of biblical (sighs) references in it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, Diamondback says that whole thing about Cain and Abel and how he didn't. It wasn't until his mother, until Luke's mother died, that he got the their father's Bible. And he actually read that the story of Cain and Abel was a real story, and because he just thought that was something that that Wesley Snipes made up in New Jack City. And it's been a while since I saw New Jack City, so I don't remember that exchange in New Jack City. But I do remember him saying something about being my brother's keeper, yeah. uh, which is where which is where that comes from. And and we've heard Diamondback do a lot of quotes from the Bible, so that's that's really kind of interesting. I had a couple of notes, and uh, we already talked about that one. Turk and Zip, I thought was that was interesting. That whole exchange between Diamondback and Zip, where he he's kind of choking him, and then as they're walking out, Turk kind of says that he's Diamondback's bitch, mm. and and Zip lets him leave and comes back, and Diamondback's like, "What was he saying?" And he's all, oh, "He's just old timers saying this," and. Obviously, by the end of the episode, we find out that Turk is the one that survives because he's just doing business. Everything for him is business. He's not. He doesn't have any aspirations necessarily of grandeur, I think. And so I, I thought that was interesting. On the wall of the bodega, as, as Luke or as the robbers are walking in there, there's a poster that says – See a crime report it, and it's got the picture of a police officer wearing glasses and I swear it looks like it's a Stan Lee poster and I, I wonder if that was – because I know they do that subtle – those subtle things where they put Stan Lee into some of these movies and if you saw Deadpool 2, there's a big poster uh, of Stan Lee in there. So I, I thought that was cool that I saw that on the, the, the second time around. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Luke shuts Turk up in the dumpster and then tells Misty where to find him. And it, it appears that Diamondback used that super suit they had on the end to kill Domingo to make it look like Luke killed yeah. him, which yep. is another one of those things that's just a frame that's not going to work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, uh, if they do ballistics and everything, uh, no, it's yeah. not going to work. <laughs> All right, so uh, we have a little bit of talk about other things that happened in the episode.
0: Um, yeah, what have you got there? You got a few things.
1: Overall, it was a good episode. I liked it. It moved everything a little bit more forward with the mm-hmm. plot to get pretty much an end note. And, and basically, uh, you know, we're, we're it, it is longer, as you were saying before, so it's mm-hmm. a longer episode. Uh, Shades and his thoughts on Cottonmouth and wanting to take over originally, that looked good. It, it showed a little bit more opening of what's going on in terms Internally, with in that syndicate, the public view of Luke and what they feel Luke stands for.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, that was really good. I like that. That all the people wearing the that montage of people wearing the the bullet uh, the bullet hole hoodies, while we heard Method Man's rap. You know, and, and we have the newscaster kind of in the background. And uh, did you notice the graphic that the caster had? on her background it said holy hero and it was spelled h-o-l-e-y hero so again there's that spiritual biblical kind of play on words there with him being a holy but not holy like pure but holy like with holes
1: Uh, like stigmata
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: all right cool I love the shot on Staten Island. Sorry, uh, I'm was born and raised. I lived there for 27 years of my life. It, it was shot at Van Bryson or Bryson Park, overseeing the water. It's not too far. It's by uh, Bay Street, all the way near uh, near Fort Wadsworth, and uh, I love that park. I've been there so many times. Uh, Misty and Candace meeting up, and you could see the bridge, and you could see you know the Verrazano Bridge over going over into Manhattan. I, an odd shot in itself, but I find it funny that we see Method Man in a scene and then another shot was done on Staten Island. So uh, obviously everybody knows Wu-Tang is from Staten Island, so... Uh, oh, okay,
0: now that that makes sense. So so I didn't, it, I didn't it it put that together. Up,
1: so I have a funny feeling when they did this episode, everything was key in a sense where they were going to do everything filming and around that area. Very nice. And, and I think they did that a few times. Uh, I just don't recognize some of the some of the locations because the uh the island has changed since I left 18 years <laughs> ago. <laughs>
0: Very nice. Um, comic talk, not not too much here. I finally caught up on Oblivion song, and uh, it's it's getting pretty interesting. Uh, you may be behind on it, so I don't want to spoil too much for you. But we we do find out that the man who is in Oblivion is Nathan's brother, the one that he's been searching for the entire time. I but had a as feeling
1: anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh,
0: and he he does bring his brother back to the real world so to speak and uh as they're doing that nathan gets caught up by the by the police for some other things that are going on in the comic book and so there's his brother kind of wandering around the streets uh as basically he he looks like a bum and he smells like a bum and because they didn't have a chance to get him home and get him cleaned up Yeah. yeah so he's still the way he is from Oblivion, so uh, it's interesting. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the next episode coming out, uh, next episode, next issue coming out, and I've got to uh, I've got to get caught up. I've got a bunch that I'm behind on, but I I did get caught up on Oblivion Song.
1: Yeah, I've been behind with my reading from my pull list for a while now, so I need to really catch up. But I, I miss my comic book reading. I, I must add though uh walmart will soon have extra large comics in their store oh okay like they did in the 70s i had one back in the late 70s my me and my brother had it together and uh it's very much almost if you remember the old time life magazines and they were extra large
0: okay yeah a a little
1: larger than that and they and dc is looking to put that into walmart Uh, I don't know the price on it, but uh, they've mentioned it on a a few podcasts that I listen to. One of them is Bagged and Boarded and uh, The Mike and Ming Show uh, from uh, Smodcast. And when I heard that, I was anticipating it. And I mentioned it to somebody today, and they were like, "I, I want one of those. And I said I loved that when I had it, but it got ripped up, torn, and yeah. thrown away eventually during moves and whatever. Have they I have they revealed
0: it. what titles it's going to be, or is it going to be new titles? Or there are
1: going to be new issues, according and new stories specifically for that. So, okay, that's from for what me. I understand. So uh, if you get those, they're very uh, they're probably going to be limited. But mm. I remembered back in a day when you used to go to like a department store and you would have a bag. Of three comics and you would spend X amount of money for a package mm-hmm. and they would have these big extra-large books and usually they're in the uh, magazine section whether or not they're doing that I don't know but uh, I'm going to pursue and look for this because I'm more really interested because the large comic book format has been gone for years and with a major retailer like this a box store, to do something like this, it brings out something to the comic book reader or possibly collector. But in my case, it it's more of like more of a nostalgia thing. Kind of like back in the day when you used to get a comic book with a record in it. Yeah, uh, Marvel put out a bunch. I think DC did too. But I have the Marvel ones. I got like Spider Man. I got the Hulk, and I had to get those recently. And I listened to him again. It was as if I was like eight or nine years old again. <laughs> Very and cool. And once they bring this out again, it's going to make me feel the same way. And I hope those of you who are comic book readers get those and feel the same way and are the same age. Or bring that to your child and say, hey, read this. And it's huge. <laughs> you know, Very cool. You got to love it. Yeah.
0: I have a personal for personal note for comic news. Hopefully the weather will stay uh, will not be too bad on Saturday. I have a ticket to go to Wizard World Con and awesome. Mike Grell. Mike Grell is supposed to be there and I have some of my comics my brother sent me uh, from my trunk that I have at his house of John Sable Freelance that I'm going to try to get at least one of them autographed or something and uh, uh, get those. So Mike Grell uh, for those of you that uh, should know. Mike Grell wrote and illustrated John Sable freelance in the '80s, and then went on to do books like Arrow and uh, some other some other books that are a little more established than what John Sable freelance was. But hopefully Saturday I'll get a chance to do that.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. I hope you get it. Nice. So uh, where can listeners send
0: their feedback? You can submit your feedback to our Facebook page. That's, that's really the easiest place. We haven't gotten a lot of, of posts, but we've gotten a lot of likes and a lot of shares of our posts. So please keep doing that. Thank you to everyone who's been going to the Panels to Pixels Facebook page, which is uh, www.facebook.com Panels to Pixels. And two is spelled out, T-O panels to pixels that's on facebook you can also email us at panels to pixels one at com. and uh, again that's panels to pixels one the the two is to spelled out the one is the number one at gmail.com where can listeners hear us, Mark?
1: Uh, I'm a host on The the Walking Dead Talk-Through with Ryan Malosh on Golden Spiral Media. We're currently doing the uh, Fear of the Walking Dead fourth season, so catch us on there.
0: Nice. I haven't listened to this week's episode yet, but it's uh, it's lined up next on my, my podcast listening. I am going to be part of a roundtable discussion that will be on Star Trek Discovery Podcast, which is also put out by Golden Spiral Media, and I believe that's exactly what it's called, is Golden... Is uh, Star Trek Discovery podcast on Golden Spiral Media? That'll be I'll be doing that tomorrow night. So look for that for, uh, Saturday night. I'll be doing that. So look for that probably sometime next week, I imagine. And uh, we're going to be talking about the upcoming season of Star Trek Discovery. We're going to talk about the trailer that. Uh, that was that was posted at Comic Con. We're going to talk about the upcoming Patrick Stewart TV show as well, and uh, and all of that. And also, you can hear me on other podcasts that I submit my feedback to. I send feedback to Mark's podcast there at uh, Walking Dead uh, Talk Through, and I send some feedback usually to the Strange uh, Strange Indeed podcast. And uh, whenever I can get it in, I send feedback. So.
1: Yeah, Steve's very active and he is very engaging and he has great insight too. Oh, thank you. No problem. So, that that's it everybody. Uh, thanks for listening today. I'm Mark
0: and I'm Steve. And it's
1: parents, Good night. Good night. Thank you.